Hey y'all, I'm Harley and you're listening to the Beautiful Gray Podcast. The Beautiful Gray Podcast is all about finding a more moderate middle gray in between a lot of extreme black and white views to have more questions than answers. Hope you enjoy and let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome. I am with a good friend, Tim, today. Tim Stabler, a rock climbing legend. Um, We're going to have a good time doing an interview. Before we do the interview and talk about what we're talking about today, I want to kind of preface how I preface the conversation with Corey and Jacob and really what will be for every conversation here on out is what we talk about here is a beginning of a conversation. It's not a answer. We're not trying to say, hey, you must do this and do it this way. It's really just hopefully the discussion is going to hopefully spur on some conversation for you. Um, if you have a disagreement or think what we said is dumb or you love it, great. Okay, let's let's have a conversation about it. It's not something you should share and be like, mm, that's right, you know, and try to prove your point to other people. It's to have a conversation. So today we're going to be talking about an age old saying that you've probably heard in the world, but not of it. And how do we balance culture being within the culture and honoring culture while still not becoming like the culture as Christians? So how can Christians be set apart? while also making sure that they're not irrelevant, you know, and that, that middle ground. So Tim has a really unique story and perspective on this. So I'm going to hand over to Tim. Everyone, this is Tim. And Tim, just tell us your story and how, um, and give us a reason as to why you in some way are an expert on culture when it comes to church. Hey, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on today. Uh, it's definitely an honor. Um, I think I thought right away that I would have something to contribute to this discussion about the gray areas because I've lived a lot of extremes. Uh, Listening to the introduction, you mentioned how um, you thought it was an extreme idea to not kiss before marriage. Um, At the ministry that I was at growing up, um, we kind of literally experienced the a joke that you'll hear a lot of times is that of premarital handholding being a bad <laughs> thing. Um, that was something that we would have gotten in really big trouble for just um, holding hands with the opposite sex. Um, there was a lot of uh, restrictions. And um, so I just want to talk about how um, the perspective I got from that place. And now that I've moved away from there, Looking back on it, I see how a lot of the things were extreme, but also I want to share um, my perspective, having lived with those people, how I actually understand how they think and how um, people's first assessment when they look at people like that is that they must be super judgmental. Um, and they tend to right away jump on judging those people as being judgmental because of the standards that they yep. hold themselves to. And then they tend to hold other people to those standards. Yep. Um, but it's something that you have to understand that like the perspective that they're coming from, they're doing what they think is right. Right. And so I really liked your example uh, that you um, you gave in your little introduction about um, the colors of Jesus's robe. And I understood that you were saying that a lot of times the things we argue over aren't actually that important. And yes. that's why you gave 
such a dumb example. A, yeah, <laughs> is silly example. But it's important to realize that whenever someone is making a point that they're standing firm on, that they don't think it's unimportant. They yes. really think it is an important issue. Yeah, and it's similar to the conversation with Corey. It's like if somebody has enough guts to talk about the thing that they're talking about, it's usually because they care about it, right? And I think um, getting to talk to Tim and, and his perspective and where he, the community was in and, and the kind of life and, and even what you had mentioned is, is a very legalistic approach to spirituality of follow this rule and take it to an extreme almost. And I think for a lot of us, we can look at other people doing other things, whether it be spiritually, politically, um, relationally, and we'll go, wow, that's interesting. And we'll judge them immediately. And um, we kind of jump to, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or that seems a little bizarre. Or, that seems peculiar. And I think Tim's perspective is really interesting. And we'll get into it more and more. But Tim's perspective is he had, he was a part of a different community than probably many of you listening. If you were to say, yeah, like, I had to follow these rules in church. It's like, well, Tim had to follow different rules and they were a little harder and a little more strenuous. And he was in a different community. And I think that community kind of gave him insight because one of the things that I really appreciated, Tim, when we talked about this earlier, is when he was in a community that was seemingly really legalistic, a little over the top, maybe too much for a lot of you listening, you might be like, wow, that is way too much. However, Tim was able to see these people and go, they really love Jesus. Like they really do at their heart love and want to honor Jesus with their life, which is why they go so extreme. They're like, well, if Jesus really said what he said, like we need to, we need to really just take it to the next level, which is in some way a really beautiful thing. So hopefully this conversation as we begin to go into it can inspire you, not just in a religious standpoint, but maybe someone has a really extreme view politically. And I think our first thing to do is being like, wow, they are really judgy. And they're like, oh it's one of the trump supporters oh it's a it's far left you know and like we get to these we, we immediately categorize someone based on what they associate themselves with so hopefully by the end of this you can associate people with who they are what they love who they um follow rather than what side they're on quote unquote what they associate themselves with um so tim i, I know that you you briefly mentioned <laughs> your hand-holding limit here um uh, that you couldn't hold hands with the opposite gender, which is hilarious. So could you give us a little more context on the community that you were part of? Because I know it's it's a lot of people maybe thinking, oh, well, I was a part of a church like that, or maybe I had a community that was a little legalistic or had some extreme rules, and maybe they were. It, it could be a, a similar community, but could you give us more context while honoring the community you're from of kind of sharing maybe some highs, lows, things about the community that are unique that, that you've walked through? Right. So the ministry was founded back in 1974 by a minister who came out of the Pentecostal, kind of the historic traditional viewpoint of that, which um, has a lot of high standards. And um, he was believing that the, that denomination was slipping and so that he needed to start his own ministry. And so he literally said, they're not extreme enough. Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, and so they have a lot of um, very specific beliefs that um, they, they view about how one is sanctified and becomes holy. And that's one of the main emphases of what they teach 
They also are strong in what they talk about biblical separation. And so they separate from the world, but also from other believers who they believe are in error. Okay. So if you're not doing it the right way, you're not, we're not the same kind of community here. Yes. Okay. So it was a very isolated community. It okay. was um, just the families who are a part of that ministry. We spent most of our time together there going to church. Um, we'd have uh, Sunday was pretty much filled up. We'd go to prayer meeting at um, 9 a.m. And the service wouldn't get out until 1, 1 15. You, had, you lost me there, man. We'd be right back <laughs> at church again at another prayer meeting at 5 p.m. Oh, wow. And wouldn't get out until 8 39 o'clock. So Sunday was church all day, pretty much. Yeah. And then there was another service Wednesday nights that would go close to two hours. Okay. And we would have what they called family night on Friday nights, which, um, Started with just a short devotional, and then we would we would play games, play volleyball, basketball, and those okay. kind of things. But that was um, just a part of you know being a part of the community. Yeah. Almost the whole church would come to all of those events. So you mentioned it's pretty tight knit. So I I know for a lot of us, and I think worth talking about is a lot of Christians ask this question should I spend time with people who aren't, aren't a Christian, like who aren't a part of my quote unquote community that don't have the same beliefs or values. And some people would be like, well, yeah, you have to, like I, in my mind, I'm like, well, of course you need to, or else how are you going to do what God's called you to do to preach the gospel? If people already know it. But then it's also, I think there's a level of, you want to have your community and the people around you encouraging you and walking the same direction as you, hopefully. Right. Or else you're going to kind of get, maybe a bit confused and you're not going to go the same direction because your community is not going that direction with you. You shared a little bit that your community was pretty closed off, pretty tight. Explain that. Yeah. So like me personally, um, I didn't go out of that community hardly at all, all through high school and college. Was that a choice or was that kind of like what you were told to do? Um, well, you know, there was people obviously that had jobs outside of it and that would do some things, but it was primarily anyone's, um, whenever they did stuff outside of the community, it was just because they were doing it with family. Okay. Um, and, um, they didn't believe in like going to the movies because that was a place where, you know, there's bad movies that are shown there. So yeah. we just don't associate with movie theaters at all. Um, and it was kind of a small town, so there wasn't a whole lot to do yeah. in town anyway. Um, so, yeah, we didn't really go out and do things. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone really did. Um, and also, we were just busy with school and studying the Bible and all those <laughs> yeah, yeah. things all yeah. the time. Well, wow. so, so a lot of it sounds like you guys were so, and, and maybe this is a good thing. And I, I, I think there's something in this that kind of is sparking something in me that when you get involved in a church, this is any church or even a community or a, an idea or a group of people, I, I'm even thinking this, this maybe is a terrible connection, but CrossFit, like maybe you're like, man, I really want to get into this working out community. So it's not just church we're talking about, but 
there's this desire, I think, that when you become a part of a community that you love, what ends up happening is that you just completely immerse yourself in anything and everything that that community does. For instance, if you go to church, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to go to every service. I'm going to be at everything they do, which is amazing. But I think a lot of times our life begins to completely revolve around an institution and a place and a community rather than the community expanding outward, right? So curious, what are your thoughts on a balance for someone who has been in a community that was very tight knit, right? Not even, a, it's not even a bad thing. You're very tight knit. You kind of all stayed together. What's the balance for a Christian or even just anyone who wants to be involved in a community, but also what's the balance of not just being consumed entirely by a community and also has the ability to influence and be outside of the community and do what they've been called to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of benefits to that. Um, and that's, I'm trying to kind of get back more toward that now, because after I left, um, I've been a little bit too isolated okay. and too independent um, because um, especially being a part of a community that's got people of all ages. Yeah. And I was, I was really friends with like everyone in the church from the old people to cool. the little kids and I knew everybody. And so I could look up to the older couples and, and work on, you know, following their example. And I was still friends with the little kids. And, um, I think having a diverse community like that is really agree, helpful. Yeah. Um, sometimes I've noticed the attempts to make community in the bigger context in like when you're living in a city like Houston, it's easy to find a community of people that are just like you. And there's true a decent amount of people that can get together yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you don't have much room for growth. Mm. So that's, that's one thing to think about. Um, can, can we on that? I, I actually, I want to ask a question on that. How do you as someone, because I think with, with your church community, it was kind of easy, right? You had older, younger, different backgrounds. You all had one common belief, which was, was this, Hey, this is the church and community that I'm committed to. And we want to honor God in this way. So you had that, that commonality and belief. How do you, create a community with the same commonality of, Hey, this is what we care about. Let's say it's church or working out or I don't know, some ideology, whatever it is. You're like, Hey, this is my community. How do you, cause I agree. I think having a diverse community is really helpful. If you don't have a diverse community, you're going to end up just looking like yourself and not growing and just becoming a more hardened version of you because it's all year round. How do you, as, as someone who knows, I think we naturally gravitate towards people like ourselves. How do you actively find a community that's diverse? You need to learn how to step outside of yourself. And in order to have a community that has diversity, you have to be able to look in order for somebody to be diverse, they have to be different than you. So if someone's different than you, you have to have the ability to get along with someone different than you. And um, if someone has different political views than you, can you get along with them? If someone has different religious views than you, or even within the same like group of Christianity, right? You and I may have differing views on how to honor God with your time, with your money, with your community. That's great. But how can I learn from you? And how can you learn from me? If I'm trying to just convert you, 
no, Tim, you need to be free, man. Forget what they told you. You need to just do whatever you want. You might be like, well, you're not helping me grow. What I need to do is say, hey, where did, where's the community you're from? And why were they so committed to what they were committed to? And maybe it can help me refine things in me and vice versa. So um, I think that could be kind of a cool thing. And why I think you on this podcast is so valuable is because you have a different perspective. You were in something and then out of something, but you also have a perspective, I think, that maybe is well more well-rounded than most people who just grew up in the same community their whole life. Um, so let me ask you this. What has changed from leaving that community? I want to ask two things. What has changed and what has stayed true? Because I'm sure that there's things when you left, you're like, wow, I'm so glad I don't have to do this or I really don't want to live like that in this certain way. But I also think when you leave, you're like, man, they did this really well. I want to continue to emulate that in my life. Yeah, <clears throat> I think what's important, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is learning how to be open-minded. Okay. And that's kind of something that people say, yeah, I'm open-minded, but then... Until what someone is, has to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, what does it actually mean to be open-minded, yeah. but at the same time have standards? Okay, um, that's, that is, okay. Let's hear that. Because um, what I've, yeah, what I've come to understand is the fundamental principle, it really is just based in humility, being aware that everything that you believe could possibly be wrong. And so that's even your belief in God. Well, okay, not I'm just because I think that We'll, we'll come back to that. Not, I do want to yeah, ask that. not the basis, like the existence of God. Okay. But most of the things that I know about God might not be 100% correct. Okay. Okay. So, so there's some concrete and there's everything. There's, it's almost like very few concrete and then everything else needs to be pretty loose and your, and your hands pretty open. of like, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, there's a possibility that this person knows something that I don't know. And that perspective, that that missing piece that I don't have has given me a bias that I'm looking at this thing not quite right. Okay. And so the, the diversity of the community that I was a part of was brought together by kind of a top-down force okay that we were all living according to the standards that were defined by the leadership of that ministry okay and that was what held us together um but if you're gonna have a community that comes together just naturally and organically um everyone has to be willing to listen to each other's opinions. Okay, that's interesting. So you bring up this idea of order and community. You're saying there's two ways to do this. You either need top down somebody saying, this is what everyone has to do. That works. I think, it, I mean, that we can agree that works. <laughs> if there's an authority who says I'm in charge and this is what everyone does, you either have a culture of people saying, screw that, I'm not doing that. Or people say, okay, I'll follow that. I'll, I'll be obedient and submit to that. Or the flip side, same thing. I think this is more difficult. Having a community that's all peers that can all humble themselves to one another and grow from each other. Same effect. One is very di different strategies. That is, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's it's something that is difficult to do because our tendency is to just gravitate toward people that are like us and just to create an echo chamber. Uh-huh. And um well, and we do that. We follow the people that agree with us. We have conversations with the people that agree with us. We watch news of the things that we agree with. And it just is so funny because it makes us feel good. Can you can we just like agree? Like if someone agrees with us, like, man, that's a good point. You're like, yeah, thanks, man. But if someone's like, I think you're wrong, you're like, oh, dang it. You know, it's it's much easier to be with people that agree with you. Right. And obviously the internet has massively increased that mm-hmm. because you can be a part of what normally would be a really small <laughs> community, so yeah. but you find people all across the world yeah. that have this. You're, you're in like a Reddit subgroup for people who like purple, like <laughs> I don't know, purple shoes, and it's like this is my, these are my people, you know, and like because there is because the because it used to be if you were in your neighborhood, you were like one of maybe like oh, let's say a couple hundred people. And the likelihood of them having the very strange thing that you have is so low. But like you mentioned, the internet has expanded, quote unquote, community into you can find community on just about anything. And you can find there's there's someone out there who agrees with you. And the danger is like, I'm just going to go find all the people in the world that agree with me. And we'll just keep driving into this belief. Right. But that's not really a genuine community. Okay. Why is that? It's because, um, like, yeah, community is something that that needs to be able to grow. And if you're all just exactly the same and you just keep bouncing these same ideas off of each other, then, yeah, you're just not, not any progress is going to be made. So does, in or, so I, I agree with what you're saying in some capacity. Would you say that in order for a community to be a community, there needs to be growth? Or is community just like what maybe that's a question. What is what do we define community as? Because I I part like something in me agrees with you of like if you're not growing, you can't be community because community <laughs> should be pushing you forward. But is community just like, hey, I'm just hanging out with people? Like these are people like like to be around. Like, so what would you in, in your mind with your experience, what would you define community as? Yeah, I think there can be different types of community. And so I guess that is one type of a community. But what I'm looking for is the best kind of community. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can have community that sucks. That's just like, <laughs> hey, it's just me and everybody like me. And that's still community, but you're saying that's not a good that's not good community. Yeah, I don't think it's healthy. Okay. Um and so there was an aspect of that where I was at. Um that what we all had in common, what were some of our beliefs about how to to follow God, um, and that was what attracted my dad to that ministry. That he is someone that's always just goes all in on whatever he's doing, and so when he found this ministry and realized that he could just go all in with them and there was people like him that wanted to do the same yeah then that was why he moved my family down there and and there's a really an honorable aspect to that obviously just 
you don't want to just do things halfway, especially mm-hmm. if we're talking about God. That yeah. <laughs> you you don't want to worship God halfway. Right. And so this ministry provided a way for the people there to be fully dedicated to their belief in God. Cool. Um, and so I think that had a really positive element to it. But um, because we all had that commonality and because we isolated ourselves from anyone that had different ways of following God, that it did become an echo chamber Okay, because of that. I love, yeah, it's unique. I think you may have lived in a very, uh, what a lot of people would consider an extreme example of that, of you lived in a community that really kind of was an echo chamber. It was, it was good hearted. It was out of a good place, but I would say that your community oftentimes came from a place of, we all agree in the same thing and weren't really willing to accept any outside, like, no, like this is what we're committed to. And we're not really willing to change. So I want to take a break, but I want to start thinking about this question. I'm going to ask you now, and then we'll come back in just a second. At what point does a community become too closed off? And at what point should a community be closed off? So how do you balance being committed to what you believe as a community and keeping the culture? So maintaining culture while also still not being too closed off. So think about that. We're going to take a break and we'll come right back to it. So coming out of the break, the question that we answered uh, or asked was when you're a part of a community, how do you keep the culture that makes the community the community? What makes it unique? Like what makes it different instead of part? How do you protect that culture while also not being too close off? So Tim, answer that one. Yeah, I think that goes back to the original question. What does it mean to be in the world, but not of the world? Mm-hmm. And what what does... Uh, Christian culture really look like. Um, And I think the issue is that you have to draw the line somewhere. And so I think we can all uh, agree that if like we have a friend who is going out to bars every night and getting drunk, hooking up with people and then sleeping in and missing church on Sunday and He's like, well, I just love Jesus, and that's all that's important. You would be like, no, bro, like, you don't love Jesus, because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And, you know, the Bible says, don't be drunk. It says that you're supposed to be sexually pure, and that you're not to forsake the gathering together of believers. Um, so we understand that there's a point where, it is loving and appropriate to draw a line. And so the question then is, where do you draw that line? Mm -hmm. And so the, the ministry that I was a part of, they believed, well, you don't want to draw the line in too far, um, in allowing things that you shouldn't be doing. So we're going to back that line up to make absolutely sure that we're doing everything honorably. Um, and so there's there's an aspect of that that you can respect. Um, and that's what, you know, when you see someone who has a higher standard than you, instead of your first response being, well, he's just proud and 
and hypocritical. Give a second to think, well, maybe, possibly, I could change my perspective Mm -hmm. and where I draw my line on things. So they just drew a different line, essentially. Instead of being like, wow, they're really too religious or too this or too whatever, to be like, they just drew a different line than me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then you just got to go back to the Bible and, and look, what does the Bible define as sin? And what does the Bible call us to actually do? Mm-hmm. And then, so when you have someone that has a different perspective, that should encourage you to go to the Bible mm-hmm. and see what the Bible actually says about that topic. And then that's where you do hit some gray areas sometimes when things aren't clearly defined as a sin. Um and that's where you you need to start seeking out what what you think God's intention is for you. Mm-hmm. And you everybody has to have lines drawn somewhere. But then just realizing that, you know, maybe I can make an adjustment on those lines. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you get that healthy community. Yeah. Where you have standards, but you're willing to change your perspective on things. Yeah. So I think I love what you're saying. And I think in my mind, my mind immediately goes to drawing a line. What do you allow and what do you abstain from? So some people, it's totally different. I know some people that to your point, we were talking about physical boundaries and relationships. Like some people be like, I'm not even going to look at them. (laughs) You know, like that's my line. And some people are like, honestly, we'll make out as much as I want. I don't care. And some people are like, I want to have sex before to make sure that they're good in bed. Like there's, there's people who have, whether or not we agree with them, there's different boundaries and lines that people draw in the sand for all sorts of topics. It could be relationally, it could be spiritually, it could be with your community. And really, I think what happens is people just draw different lines, what they allow and what they abstain from. Some people have drawn lines really, really loosely, and some people have really tight lines. And it sounds like your community was a very tight, really close line that's like, hey, we are not crossing this line and we're not even going to mess with the line. Like, keep the line there. And if you cross the line, get out of here. Like, this is our line. But I think there's also some people that their line is too loose. And it's not even a line anymore. It's just like a wavy <laughs> suggestion. And they just be like, yeah, just kind of do whatever. And I think there's something in us that we need to have a line that we can honor. But also making sure that the line is not our line. But it's a line that God defines for us. So maybe alcohol is a great conversation. Some people think hey, I'm not going to drink alcohol. I want to abstain. My line is to abstain from alcohol. So for you, that's the line that you've drawn, which is fine. And some people are like, look, I like alcohol. I'm going to drink alcohol every night. And that's my line. And I don't feel convicted. I'm okay with that. The lines are going to be totally different for different people. And that's okay. Now, the conversation in my mind that came up with this is the way that Jesus lived. A lot of people will say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus was friends of sinners. He ate dinner. It actually made the Pharisees pissed off. Like Jesus ate with, with sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, all these people. And the Pharisees like, how dare you? The Pharisees said, you're not being strict enough. Your line is too loose. Why are you hanging out with sinners? And I think for us, should we have lines like that where people might go, ooh, that's maybe a little too loose. 
where we're hanging out with sinners and we're connecting with people who don't have the same beliefs as us, even things that we vehemently disagree with, should we get to know them and be in community with them? What does that look like? Because Jesus did it, right? He had this line where he's like, I'm going to be friends of sinners, but then there's also a set apart community, I think, right? So, so what do you think about that? Right. Yeah. Well, we see Jesus at times isolating himself with his disciples and then at other times um yeah he was a friend of sinners but he also was always calling the sinners out of what they were doing Mm -hmm. and the bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about the conversations that he had when he was sitting down with them but i don't think he the whole time they were just making jokes and cutting up like jesus was drawing them to himself And so, well, his language always was come and follow me. Yeah. So I doubt he was like, Hey, let's get drunk. Like, <laughs> Let's get lit at, at the party at the tax collector's house. He's probably like, I will sit with anyone. Yes. I'll sit with anyone. But the call is also not for me. It's not me, Harley or Tim to say, come follow Harley, come follow Tim. That's a stupid idea. Like don't follow me. But Jesus had the authority to say, I want to sit with you. I'll sit with anybody. Come and follow me come into a different place, draw a new line. And I think that's the the boundary there. I love what you mentioned that Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he always called sinners to follow him, which yeah. is awesome. I love that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's why we have to always just keep going back to the Bible and let it define as the, our lines. Cause there's a lot of things that are very clearly defined as sin and we know jesus didn't commit any sins and so yeah being a friend with a sinner isn't doesn't make you a sinner um and that's something that each person has to work out with themselves exactly how they work that out and yeah i think that's why i wanted to come on this podcast and acknowledge that there are gray areas even though the Bible is absolute, um, that there's there are points where different people are going to need to interpret it differently. And before, I've always thought that anytime there's two people interpreting a passage differently, that one of them is right and one of them is wrong. Mm-hmm. Because that... Yeah, there there is a, a sense where there is absolute truth, mm-hmm. and that's important to to acknowledge. And that um, as soon as we we take the line and say that there maybe is an error in scripture, then really we've lost the whole line altogether. Yes, you have to believe in the inspiration of scripture and that it's absolutely infallible. There's no errors in it. And so when something's stated clearly and you're trying to really stretch it to get it to say something else. Like the Bible says, don't kill someone, right? Like part of the Ten Commandments, you're like, what does it really mean to kill someone? <laughs> you're like, no, it just, it just, that's what it says, you know? And, and yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that it, there can actually be multiple correct ways okay. to interpret things. Depending on who you are, your experience, what you know, what you believe, what how you're made, that there could be a different way to look at it. Yeah, and I think, like, the example of alcohol is a good one. Um, that 
different people should have different lines on that. Um, that there are some people that they just need to have that line. They're never going to drink it another drop of alcohol. But the Bible doesn't actually draw that line. Um, and then you can go to, um, you know, the Romans 14 example of you don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's the, uh, another line that you can draw, but that line that depends on circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that you have to guard your own heart on. Yeah. How are you going to do that? Yeah. It seems to me what you're saying, and it's clear in my mind of this idea that sometimes scripture draws very clear lines. Like, a line that we know is love God, love other people. Like that's a line. God says like, if you're living your life and you want to honor me, love me. Like that's a line I've drawn. You don't need to be like, well, should I really love God? It's like, yeah, you should. And then the other one is like, love people. So if you're not loving people, God says, that's a hard line for me. Like you need to love people. But there's other things where I think scripture allows us with our own personality, our own connection with God to draw our own line with the lines that he's already given us. And also a line that may change with time. Because I think sometimes you may have a conviction now that will change. And it doesn't mean you were wrong then and you're right now or you're right now and wrong then. It means that sometimes things change, circumstances change, places change, and your line may also change with that. And I think that's okay. Um, I was thinking about this as we were talking, Tim. And I think there's a lot of people in here who have done a great job at having relationship with people who aren't Christian. Like... I'm a Christian. I love God, but I have friends who don't know Jesus. I think that's great. You're friends of sinners, but some people feel, how do I draw that line? Cause you even made a distinction. Jesus spent time with the disciples and then he spent time with sinners, right? His close knit community was the disciples, but then he also was friends of sinners. What would you say to someone who has friends of quote unquote sinners who aren't in relationship with Jesus that live a different life that draw different lines? What would you say to someone who has friends like that that have become community to them? Because I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe in my heart, I'm like, I feel like it's wrong to be like, screw those friends, find different friends. But also, how do you love that person and continue to be an influence without changing the lines that God's told you to draw? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, because um, you you aren't both going the same direction. If you are really following after God, then you can't really have true community with someone who is not. Okay, I'm going to cut you there. You can't have true community. What do you mean? Um, well, there's a concept of Christian fellowship that okay. we see a lot in the Bible. And I think that's what I'm getting at. What true community that you're looking for is that you have... the in common that you're going toward the same direction that you're both following god and you're trying to grow in holiness and to um to grow in your character um someone who doesn't believe in god um their whole world is about themselves and they just want to do what they want to do (laughs) and they might seem like a really nice person that cares about other people 
but if they're yeah if they're not willing to submit themselves to god then they're just deceiving themselves and mm-hmm. they're deceiving those other people that they're being nice to that all of that is coming out of pride and selfishness and a corrupt heart and well, that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow i think for a lot of people what you just said while i i i hear it i actually what you're saying it, it, there, there's a lot of validity in it and i think it's a hard thing for people to understand when you say can it, it's a question that has actually been debated can a non-christian someone who doesn't have a relationship with jesus can they be moral or are they evil and through and through do they have no pure intention do they have nothing good within them and that's a that's an interesting conversation because if we because it could go two ways we either believe like no like they can do good things they just are there's depravity they don't totally know what it means to be in love with jesus and to be pure and to be free but some people would also say they can do no good thing and anything that seems to be good is really selfish or really so it sounds like what you're saying is you lean more on the side of saying if someone doesn't know jesus everything that flows out of them comes from a place that is not pure yeah the bible talks a lot about a concept of self-righteousness and that's a sin it's a bad thing so i believe every good thing that a non-believer does is a form of self-righteousness so even the good things they're doing are actually condemning them before god because interesting they are trying to build up their own good works which before god are like filthy rags mm-hmm. isaiah tells us and so yeah if you if you have a friend that you see is doing something like that you need to have compassion and love for them that that realizes that they're destroying their own life Mm -hmm. that even the good things they're doing are just building up this Mm self-righteousness that is going to condemn them before god ultimately yeah and make it harder for them to come to God, possibly. Yeah, which it, it, and it, even you saying that, I think if we believe that, it, it reframes the kind of a conversation that Jesus may have had with sinners when he goes to dinner with them. Likely his conversation was not, hey, everyone, you need to stop drinking and stop prostituting yourself. He probably was like, follow me. Like, change, like let your heart change. Go a new direction rather than try to clean up your old direction. And I think for a lot of people, when they have friends that aren't Christians, they try to make their friends more Christian looking without actually experiencing what Jesus has said that they can have being set free and being purified and being made new, giving them a new heart. And I think when it comes to community, we should have friends that don't know Jesus. Like if we don't, I feel like we're missing something. Like if we're not friends of quote unquote sinners, we're missing something that he's called us to do. But also our goal, and I think a lot of Christians struggle this way because they want to be friends with people, but they don't want them to do the things they're doing. Like, oh, this guy's a drunk or, oh, this guy is like crazy and does stupid things and and is rude to people and is does illegal. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm being extreme, right? But I think we have friends like that, but we like them. We're like, oh, I like this person. I like to hang out with them, but they do stuff that I don't agree with. So how can I get them to stop doing what they're doing without actually seeing their heart change? And I think for you, if you guys are listening and you have a friend or community of people that you really love and value, 
That's the, that's the key. He has to start with that. If you don't love them, then how can you actually present them with something that's going to change them for good? So you need to love them. So if you have a friend or community that you love deeply, but they don't live a life that you necessarily agree with, your goal is not to make them more Christian looking. Your goal is to present them with a new way in the same way that Jesus said, come and follow me is present them saying, Hey, come follow Jesus. Like there's an invitation for you to be changed, to be new, not to just change your attitude and change your behavior, because that only goes so far. You can be lost, but self-righteous. You may look good, but your heart be distant from God. And God even says that there's a lot of people in scripture. Where he says, your mouths honor me, but your hearts are far from me. And I think really what God wants is not for us to be clean and proper and look like we follow him, but our hearts to truly follow him and everything we do to be different. And, uh, a community how do we balance that right so i think what we're talking about is we want to have a community that honors god but isn't closed off to where we can actually influence and love people and show them a new way uh, an example of this is you see in the old testament jesus created well i say jesus god created but jesus it, it, old testament we're gonna get that, that mm -hmm. anyway jesus was there it just it's a whole thing so let's just say this so god set apart the israelites those were his quote unquote chosen people which is biblical he said these are my people and it sounds kind of like oh god like a little selective and, and in some way god was selective but what he was doing is god's heart for the israelites was he wanted to create the israelites as a set apart nation and what god was going to do with this community is he was going to bless the community of the israelites so much so that other people outside of the community would say wow that community is amazing they love one another, they live differently, they follow a different way, and they're being blessed by something other than themselves. I want to be a part of that. And God actually created a way for someone who wasn't an Israelite to be part of the Israelite community. And that was the whole goal. And that was the plan for God to bring the whole world into a community was for the Israelites to be the chosen priesthood to expand the whole world. But then he changed his structure halfway through. He's like, anyone who believes in me is a part of this community, this chosen people. It's no longer where you were born to, what church you go to, how spiritual you may seem. He said, whoever believes me and follows me, that's my new chosen people. So for you, all that you need to do to be a part of this quote unquote community that God set apart and created as a chosen community is to follow him, to believe him and to follow him. And then your goal is to live in such a way. This is, this is how you change people. You live in such a way where God's blessing is so clear upon your life. You live in such a way where God's has changed your life, where it's evident that you are different. You have to be different. If you're not different, no one cares. If I'm a Christian, but I'm still a jerk, people who are jerks aren't going to be like, wow, he's really different. They're going to be like, wow, he just goes to church and is mean. <laughs> so I'm mean, so I don't really want to go to church. That's, that's something I don't want to add to my life. But if what we're doing makes us different, that's going to be something that sparks in people like, wow, there's a different way to do it. What I'm doing. I don't have to live this way. So um, I want to kind of wrap up here. So, so Tim, I'm going to kind of just give you a, a couple minutes for someone who maybe is in this limbo and trying to figure out culture, trying to figure out community, trying to figure out being set apart, trying to figure out being different and honoring God with the lines they've drawn. What would you say to someone listening who this conversation has sparked something in them? What would be like a, a final encouragement to them as they're listening? I would say just keep going back to the Bible and keep reading what it tells you um, is a is true fruit. You know, the fruit of the spirit, 
um, how how do we draw people to God? One of the things that we're told is how we the brethren love each other mm -hmm. is something that should be what draw people to God. Mm. So as you grow in in God and and being more like Christ, that those are the things that are going to set you apart from the world because the yeah the primary thing that's really going to set you apart is if you stop sinning because the world is just full of sin and they sin all the time and so that should be your primary focus the things that are clearly defined in scripture as sins I'm not going to do those things. Yeah. And then I'm going to love God and pursue the fruit of the spirit. And then you're going to make community with other people who are trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. As long as they have those same two, three things as their goals, that they want to stop sinning and that they want to love God and love people. That's all you have to have in common with them. And that's that's what Christian community is supposed to look like. Love it. So if you guys are listening, take that for what it's worth. I want to challenge you guys. Remember, this is a, a beginning of a conversation. So everything Tim and I talked about here is just to hopefully spur on maybe conversation with you and the people around you or even us. So reach out to us, send us a text, reach out to us on Instagram, whatever you want to do. But really, this is a beginning conversation that hopefully will lead to more. So we love you guys. Praying for you guys to find community that helps you to be, uh, helps you to honor God, to grow, but also not to be closed off to where you just look like the people around you, but instead you grow to look more like God. So we love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome day and stay tuned because we'll have a new episode coming out soon. See ya. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Beautiful Gray Podcast. If you would, we have an Instagram. It's called at the beautiful gray podcast. No spaces, nothing crazy in between, all one word. Um, on top of that, we'd love for you guys to just be a part of the discussion. So even if you don't want to be on the episode, share your comments, text me, reach out to me, let me know what you think and be a part of the discussion. And then lastly, I have a book coming out. It's going to be called Rightly Reckless, which is going to be a continued discussion in written form for those of you who just want to read. Uh, of the discussions essentially that we're going to have here. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned for next episodes. Follow us on Instagram. Love you guys. See ya.